Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to this edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me today, as always, is Joe Healy. And what we think is a pretty fun episode of the podcast this weekend, as you might know from looking at a calendar, is supposed to be the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And with that, typically comes with, or I guess, what if, if they're holding an NCAA tournament, what that first weekend comes with is ESPN's bases loaded, where they, uh, they they keep you up to date on all of the action from around the country. You know, they flip between the games and, and make sure that you see all the all the big moments. And the people piloting that venture uh, are Matt Schick and Mike Rooney, and we're going to have them here on the podcast to talk about bases loaded, their partnership, just its growth and. While we can't deliver bases loaded to you this weekend, we, we hope that this is uh, something of a substitute for, for everyone that, that's going to be missing it, uh, along with the rest of the NCAA tournament this weekend. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sad weekend in, in a way. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of been building this, strangely. You and I have talked a lot about how weird it's going to be when we get to this part of the year, and ta-da, here it is, uh, where it's going to be a little bit painful in a way and then hopefully once we get on the other side of this maybe it starts to be a little bit easier because we're just really looking ahead to 2021 but it's going to be a weird one this weekend no doubt and I'm I'm glad we were able to kind of do this because it you know it's just kind of an interesting topic to discuss I am a a huge fan of what Bases Loaded has been doing it also kind of has like an interesting history and we get into some of that with with Matt and Rooms where you know talking about how it kind of came to be that they kind of ended up being the face of this thing and you know, but if you if you go even further back, I, I'm not saying these two points are necessarily connected, but having followed college baseball as closely as I have for as long as I have, I remember when ESPNU was was kind of just getting its start, and there just really weren't enough linear channels for ESPN to show all of the even the super regionals because you have to remember at that same time they're kind of juggling, you know, usually. You know, back in the day, they did NHL games, the NHL postseason's going on, the NBA postseason's going on, the Women's College World Series is going on, and they had a separate channel you could buy as like an add-on to your cable package that I believe was called Bases Loaded, and it basically gave you access to all of the Super Regional games. Now, you already got most of them on ESPN, ESPN2, and then the a fledgling ESPNU, but there were a couple that would inevitably kind of get, either they weren't available in your market, or they just didn't there wasn't enough room for them on a linear networks. And so that name has actually been around, if I'm right, I could, I may not be right. That's how I'm remembering it though. But I believe that name has actually been around for longer as a college baseball product than it is in this current iteration. And I, I would have been interested to ask them if they, they kind of had any insight there, but, but maybe I have that, that all wrong. So I say all that to say this, this podcast was kind of a nice, a nice way to, to, uh, honor bases loaded, if you will, which makes it sound more serious than it really is. But to talk about something that's close to my heart uh, in particular, and kind of as a way to help get us through regional weekend, which will of course be without uh, actual regionals to watch. That's kind of wild. I had totally forgotten about that. If I even knew that there was an extra channel, um, you know, it, that uh, I was not big on extra cable channels back in the day, I would say. But the just the whole growth of the way ESPN televises the tournament is impressive when you consider that at the turn of the century uh, that it, they weren't doing a whole lot. You know, w- w- the, the Super Regional was just coming into existence and they weren't doing a ton with that. And, you know, there was a lot of Omaha coverage, but coverage before that was so scattered. And we've talked about that in a lot of our rewatch episodes. And um, but, you know, the, the bases loaded development has been a very positive one for college baseball and the people that 
that do watch it really, really seem to love it. Um, I personally don't get to watch it that much. My strategy on regional weekend is usually try and find somewhere in the country where there are multiple regionals going on within a drivable distance. And then I go and try and see as much of them as I can. So I wind up spending more time in my car maybe than, uh, than, than watching bases loaded or, or being in a place where I could watch bases loaded. So I don't get to see it as much, but when I do get to see it, it's fun. And I love that there's a place where they're showing all of those, all of these games so that the people who are, you know, just able to, to plunk down on their couch and blow through as much college baseball as they can in, in three or four days, like there is, there is a place for them. And we love those people because those people are probably listening to the podcast um, or, or some th- those are, those are our listeners, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I, I, I really appreciate that there is a place where, where you can just watch all the best moments throughout the day. Um, so we really are, are excited to, to bring on uh, Matt Schick and, and, and Mike Rooney to, to talk about that. This is taking the place of our typical uh, second podcast of the week where we are doing a, a series of rewatching classic games in college baseball history and then coming on here to talk about them with someone who is a part of that. So if you're wondering where, you're, where that is, what we've been doing now for the last couple months, uh, you're getting this ode to bases loaded. Instead, uh, our intention is to pick back up with the uh, with the games uh, again here next week, uh, and we'll see how how far we we continue running with those. Uh, but we will uh, we'll be back here with a, a new game next week if you are if you are still loving those, and we hope you are. Um, so if you are uh, appreciating those or you have a game that you would like us to go try and find, uh, we are limited to what we can find on YouTube or what ESPN is showing us. Uh, but that is, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. Or leave a comment in, uh, in the Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're subscribing to the podcast, if they let you rate and, and review. We, uh, we appreciate those. We appreciate you subscribing. Uh, so if you uh, if you are one of those people who who is subscribing, we we greatly appreciate you for continuing to support uh, this podcast throughout uh, a college baseball this spring. So with that, let's get to Mike Rooney and Matt Schick, and let's talk about the the joy and the experience that is bases loaded. We're excited to be joined on the Baseball America College podcast by the our bases loaded, ESPN's bases loaded hosts. I, I think of them as our bases loaded hosts, I suppose. Matt Schick and Mike Rooney, how are you guys doing? R is the right word, TC. I love it. <laughs> we are uh, we're, we're doing great, uh, Teddy. Yeah, I, I mean, a year ago at this time, we'd be together or at least approaching the time to be together and uh we'd be probably already sick of each other so maybe this is for the best (laughs) well i I guess uh you know if if you're listening to this podcast you're you're very familiar with the bases loaded concept and the team uh of of runes and and schick and um you know just though you guys weren't the bases loaded team at the start of bases loaded how did that kind of evolve and come together to the point where you guys have become you know the face of the first weekend of the the ncaa baseball tournament well i'll uh i'll start here actually the first year of bases loaded i had already scheduled a vacation and so i was actually in nebraska visiting family my wife's side of the family uh when the first bases loaded actually happened and I remember watching, oh, man, I'm bummed. I used to live in Omaha, and I, the road to the College World Series was always a big deal, but I've got this vacation. And so I actually watched Dari Noka and Anish Shroff. It was supposed to be Dari and me. wound up being Dari and Anish kind of doing it together, uh, trading on and off. And I'm not sure who was on set at the time. I know Kyle Peterson was a part of that. Runes, I thought you were a part of that as, as well back in the day. Maybe Ben McDonald, I'm not sure. But um, And then I think the following years when I made my – first foray into it splitting with Dari and then eventually it just got to uh runes and me it, it was me 
Uh, then Brendan Fitzgerald was a part of it, uh, KP and Runes. And then for the last couple of years, KP has not been a part of it. Two or three years, I think. He's been out uh, doing, calling regional games, regional weekends. And it's been Runes and me. Runes, am I, is my timeline no. accurate there? Yeah, that's it. I remember the first year KP did it the whole time. Okay. And he's way too smart for that right like there's he was like this is a whole bunch of nonsense like you're basically doing three regionals um so then the next year i split it with them and um yes i would say it is it is so fun but it takes a special type of of craziness to want to to do this but uh yeah that, that, i think you're spot on that it's it's kind of been the last three three years or so that it's been you and i yeah, and the, and the tricky part about it was when we would do the split shifts, uh, you might not have been on the air, but you still had to pay attention. And so that's been the best thing about this is that it's been runes and me and we're doing it all day so that I don't have to come in at three o'clock when, you know, a half dozen games are already in the books or two regionals have already punched tickets or what have you and ask the previous anchor, hey, what I miss or pay attention from home and you feel like you're working when you're not. So this has been, it's been great. Matt, I'm curious what the biggest challenge is in kind of serving as the point guard of this, because I, I can imagine it's a little bit of controlled chaos. So I'm curious if you can take us behind the scenes a little bit and, and what kind of challenges you're facing in terms of trying to stay on top of everything, on top of, I'm sure, just a lot of stimulus overload coming from a lot of different directions. Yeah, there is, um, when the bracket first gets announced, and essentially maybe a couple weeks prior, I begin prepping with the automatic bids and, and knowing who's going to be in. I'll start prepping on the top 25, 30 teams or so in the nation uh, just so I've got a feel for them. And, you know, having watched college baseball and calling a few games throughout the year, you get a sense for it. Um, but I will, I will prep, and when I mean prep, I'll just get some – make sure I know some names, some storylines, uh, type into a, a Word document of, hey, this team has been to the CWS X times out of the last X years. This is their 10th regional appearance. Just certain things that not only prepare you for bases loaded, but also prepare you for selection weekend because selection weekend is a big, hey, you got to know names, conferences, uh, mascots, trends, regional appearances, and all those types of things. And so when the most challenging thing is certainly the prep, because when the bracket is released and when we do that show on Monday, on Memorial Day, straight off of that, I am uh, going through each regional and I am getting together 16 different sheets for each uh, 16 different sheets of prep uh, one for each regional and then when the regional comes on tv and when we're doing bases loaded i've got a lot of paper in front of me and i need to kind of navigate okay what's this and what's that because as much as people think that guys like me know everything about everything once we turn it on there is a lot of at least for the first half of the first day, fake it till you make it type of thing, because you're trying to learn where are we going? Not only that, which background, which backdrop or backstop is which stadium and which, which regional, because you oftentimes have two teams playing in a regional, obviously that don't play there typically. And so you can't just go, Oh, that's Oklahoma state. That must be Stillwater. No, not necessarily. And so I think just navigating through, okay, guys, we need to make sure we are, in this city or in this regional because this guy's about to get to an at-bat. It's, it's really controlled chaos, and that's where Runes comes in, and, and he's real big on, okay, I've got the lineups here. I know who's due up over in Sacramento or wherever we're at. I mean, he, just, <laughs> he has an idea before things happen, and uh, that's where he's a big helping hand. Joe, can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead, Runes, please. Yeah, yeah, so, so – I stole this part from KP from Kyle Peterson. So the other thing, if you can imagine, Stat Broadcast is your best friend, that website, because, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're trying to follow names and at-bats, et cetera. And so, you know, picture your laptop computer with 32 windows of Stat Broadcasts open. So you're, you're constantly managing that. And then the other thing is, you know, Matt alluded to the pronunciations, mm. which has become really fun over the last three years because <laughs> I try to really dive in and have a lot of knowledge around, you know, because obviously there's no excuse for us. We've been working on these pronunciations for five months, but Matt comes in, it's going to be hard. And so 
the, the, that's one of the one of the many reasons why Matt is the perfect toast for this because he does not take himself too seriously and and you just go in knowing that the over under on butchering of names is probably ten point five and let's just roll with it and and his our deal is he wants me to correct him immediately and and try to shame him on air when a, a pronunciation is butchered so we can get right to it and I, I'll tell you the other thing that um, I try to do is I I start a text thread with each of the 16 broadcast teams at the regionals. And this is clearly overkill, but, you know, like there might be an injury or you might say like, hey, you know, why is Carlos Cortez hitting seventh? Or like, why is he not in the lineup? Um, so just little tidbits like that you're trying to get. And then I have a little index card that shows us which announcing teams are at each of the sites. So, um, but yeah, to Matt's point, it's, it's, um, it's just wild, super fun, but also wild. And the pronunciation part of it too, Runes. Like I always feel guilty about like halfway through day two, where I have asked you now for the twenty seventh pronunciation <laughs> of of a player, and I know that the last thing you care about is pronunciations because you want to know who's due up, who's what the situations are. And here's this nerd to your right that is asking you, how do you pronounce this? And you don't really care, but you you always do a good job of pretending that you're you're really interested in that pronunciation. That makes that warms my heart as we get through day two and three. Yeah, Jer- I mean, Jeremy Mills deserves a lot of credit on that. He gives us a sheet ahead of time with um, Jeremy Mills from ESPN stats and information with pronunciations for those sixteen teams. But still, on top of that, my favorite player from last year's tournament, Liam Scaffarello from Quinnipiac, the Q baseball, if you will. Um, and I hammered his name 17 different ways throughout the course of regional weekend. I mean, in some level, it's, it's, it's all content, right? I mean, if you, you're, you, as long as you're not doing so in, in a way that's, you know, uh, poking fun at a player inappropriately, I mean, it's all just kind of, it's, it's all content and getting the names wrong and you, you fix it the next time and it becomes a running gag. And, you know, on some level, I, I suppose that's good for production in, in some ways. I'm curious, um, what, I think one of the things that people who really enjoy watching the bases loaded product enjoy myself included is the way you guys are kind of able to nimbly move between different games, depending on, on what's going on. And I'm curious how much of that is scripted a little bit and Hey, we haven't been to this site in I don't know, a couple hours now we need to probably check in here and how much really is just, you know, kind of off the cuff, I guess, asked another way, how much power does Mike Rooney really have to tell you what games to go to? <laughs> Well, we do we do delegate some of the power. We do uh, periodically throughout the weekend have what we call the announcer's choice or the analyst choice, which of course is Mike Rooney. And there's a a video uh, online on Twitter that Rooney's tweeted out over the last few days, where he tweeted uh, a a player who's a Torkelson. Is that right? Torkelson, yeah. Yeah, he he was up. And it was like they were down eleven to one in the ninth. They're like, "What are we going to this game for? What have you?" Or seventh inning, and he's like, "Well, because he's going to hit a torque bomb." And and I ridiculed Rooney for the call because he wanted to do it, uh, and then he winds up hitting he winds up hitting a home run and absolutely destroying it on the air. And that was his probably his defining moment as a <laughs> uh, as an analyst for bases loaded. But to be honest, a lot of it, the people behind the scenes and the people in the control room, they do not know as much, not even close, because they're, they're so spread thin and they're doing other things throughout the year. So those who are in the control room in Bristol, they're learning as well. They do a great job. Our producers do a great job of going, okay, what are the storylines going into today? Where do we need to watch? Uh, what, what, are, what, are, what about this or that? And, and oftentimes we will say, hey, guys we've we've been to this site too many times or or guys this is a this is an elimination game but it's nine to two and neither of these teams are going to be in the running here let's go to the number eight national seed where it's the third inning and they're down two to one or something like that so they if you don't know enough they do a great job of saying hey We'll lean on you guys. And, and so we lean on runes and, and myself to kind of be, I hate to use the word traffic cop, but a lot of times in bases loaded, it is. It's guys, let's go here, let's go there. And you have to keep in mind, in the control room, they have about 12 different screens, 8 to 12 different screens that they're looking at. So they appreciate us shouting out from the desk, hey, look what's going on here in, in Lincoln or what's going on here in Gainesville. 
because there was just a home run and they'll play it back. And then we got to determine, okay, are we going to treat this like it's happening live? Or are we going to treat this like it just happened runes? Yeah. And I would say you, you're, you're kind of saving your currency. You know, you, you can't <laughs> be the little boy that cried wolf, like, Hey, we got to go here. We got to go there. So I think I learned that fairly quickly that, you know, the, the ones you're really convicted about, you want to save that um, so that you don't become white noise because, uh, you know, to Matt's point, there's going to be differing opinions on where we go. And, um, you know, like for me, I would like to have a quad box every 10 minutes. And <laughs> the people, the people behind the scenes are not thrilled with that, that leaning. That, that's the basis loaded spinoff for next year is that there's just a channel of nothing but quad box. That's, the, uh, <laughs> that's how this grows. You know, yeah. Ruins does a great job though of talking to me but as he's talking to me off, like off the air when we are in the middle of a game and we're, our mics aren't on, what he's actually doing is communicating to the booth by talking to me so as to go through a middleman so the booth doesn't think that we are talking. He's, he's directing. He'll say, hey, uh, Schick, do you think we uh, – w- what do you think we should do? Do you think we should go to Stillwater here where we think – you know, and I know he's essentially doing that because he knows they can hear him in the booth, but he doesn't want to come off as this dictator. So it's a very heady, smart move, Runes, that you do. And I've, I've picked up on that through the years. All right. I like it. I'm busted. All right. So all this baseball and, and nuts and bolts talk is all well and good. But what is the food situation like? Let's, let's get to the heart of, of the, the matter here. What are you guys eating throughout the day? Runes? Uh, so, so I, I'm curious to get Matt's take on this, but cause he's an, he's a host who has eaten on set, like most of his career, but I'm telling you guys, like just picture it. You're from, from the waist up, you're in a suit and tie. You got microphones and equipment all over you. You've got makeup on you. And if you're a bald person like me, you've got three times the amount of makeup on that a normal human would. And now you've got pizza in front of you it's not it just doesn't feel like it's gonna go well so they they tend to they bring us food a couple times throughout the the day but i don't know at least for me you always feel like man this has got a chance to be a career wrecking moment I try to hold out as off as long as I can to ask about the food situation because I always, <laughs> I always feel like as the day goes on and you know it's getting to be six thirty, seven o'clock, and I'm thinking, okay, if they've brought food in, it might be down to zip right now and then what am i going to do and i feel like when i'm asking about food it's like well there's the chubs on the set asking about food again but honestly like i like we got to have some sustenance and so what will they they will do is usually cater bring in some pizza bring in some maybe they'll grill some stuff and then they'll put it in another room so we usually have to walk up the stairs and out and so they'll say, okay, Runes, you can navigate us. Shik is going to go get some food. Sometimes, though, they'll say, hey, we're going to come to the set. You tell us what you want. We'll go grab it and bring it to you. Sometimes our makeup people will bring us food to the set. Uh, but you always have to be very strategic. Do I take a large bite of this food knowing that there are two outs here at UCLA? Uh, here in the inning because as soon as this half inning is over I'm going to have to navigate sure let's give it a shot here at sausage and pepperoni let's stuff down the gun and roll the dice here we're on day, day three of the regional you know uh Neil Pert used to famously say playing a rush show is like trying to solve equations while running a marathon and that's basically the same thing right <laughs> trying to decide if you want to take another bite of your food with with a couple right. of outs um I'm curious if either of you guys have a sense now that bases loaded has been around for several years now, if either of you have a sense for how the following of that has grown. I mean, it seems only natural that as people kind of catch on to it, that it grows and college baseball itself is growing, but whether it's just some, a feeling you have or whether there's, you know, something behind it, I wonder if you two kind of can feel the, the movement, if you will, for bases loaded growing. Bruins? Go ahead. You, you go first, Matt. Well, I think the uh, it's it's an interesting following because college baseball is still somewhat a niche sport, and so it is a very heavy uh, digital following, and those who follow it and watch it love it, and and that part continues to grow. I want to see us get to a point where bases loaded is on one of one of the linear networks all day. 
I, and I think it's gotten to a point where we've gotten close to doing that. And I know we have contracts and I know we have to carry some games live and we need to fulfill those obligations. But Bases Loaded is one of the best things that our company does when it comes to catering to the sports fan for a sport that isn't the most exciting pitch to pitch, especially if it's eight to two or eight to nothing. You want to be able to navigate, and that's what we do. And so I, I just hope, I, you know, maybe Runes can speak to it because he's more ear to the ground in terms of the college baseball community. And I have felt more interaction and, and, and that's kind of fueled our fire, more social media interaction with us uh, and, and us. That's why we now, you know, every year we will do, hey, let's show some tweets from viewers and we will show those on the air. And, and just that social integration and getting those listeners involved, viewers involved really adds, adds to our, uh, adds to what we're doing, but I do believe that we've gotten to the point where bases loaded is more than deserving of a linear spot from noon or 2 p.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern on either ESPN2 or ESPN News or whatever it is, just so people know where to find it. Because I think sometimes you go, okay, find us on the app, find us there, and, and, you'll, and that's, that's fine. And we're all multiple screen people. Uh, but I think to serve the audience better, I think we should be on a linear network more often. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would say, you know, Matt alluded to it. Bases loaded Twitter is one of my <laughs> favorite Twitter time periods of the year. I mean, just some of the stuff that comes at you is hilarious. It's really, it's it's hard not to, to I mean, you end up laughing on air is what you end up you know doing. Um, and then like this, this, I'll give you guys one story. So uh, Brian O'Connor, who's the coach at Virginia, who's won a national championship. He, he has a young son, Dylan, who's probably like in the 10 to 12 year old range. Um, and so he texts me during, I think last year's basis load and said, Hey, um, Dylan wants to meet you and Matt. Like he thinks you guys are famous because you do bases load. That's one of his favorite <laughs> shows. And, and I'm texting Brian O'Connor back like, just so we're clear, like you're actually the head coach that won the national championship. <laughs> we're, we're that, that's kind of a, does he, is he aware that his dad is in a different tier than these quote unquote famous people he'd like to meet. But, um, so, so that, yeah, like to Matt's point, it's it, in our sport, it is, um, it, it just, it feels like a community that weekend. It feels like one big conversation. Twitter probably has a lot to do with that, but it really is a blast. That is outstanding. I mean, I, I can, uh, I mean, you guys are TV stars at, at the end of the day. So, you know, I mean, Oak is a lot of things, a TV star. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> well, and I've, I've thought about this and I think it would be great if, you know, runes and I, we did, we did bases loaded and then, uh, and then we went out the next weekend and called the super together. I mean, I, you know, oh, I think, awesome. I, I think it's to the point where, you know, we, at least for me, it's fun to do bases loaded. And then you kind of do your super regional, maybe studio wraps, and it's just a slower pace. It's just not as energetic. Uh, but to uh, the, the worst part about bases loaded is when it ends, it's like I say goodbye to runes. He says goodbye to me. And that's it until usually selection Monday, the following year, I would love to kind of spill that into the following weekend and do a, and do a super. We'll have to talk talk to some folks about that. Yeah, yeah. Joe and Teddy, get on that, would you? Well, I was going to say the ESPN executives <laughs> that are loyal listeners to the Baseball America co College podcast will definitely be hearing that, and uh, I'm yes. sure they'll be in talks with uh, both of your agents within the week. Yes. Well, it's been awesome to uh, to go through this. It's a, I suppose, a poor substitute for the real product, but uh, you know, for everyone that that really enjoys this first weekend of of the tournament and bases loaded. Uh, you know, it's been fun to to see this grow and, and to uh, be able to, you know, get into some of the, the nuts and bolts and uh, how you guys go about, you know, navigating this uh, this whole thing. So I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on to uh, to talk with us about that today. Love it. No, Teddy, Joe, it's been great. And, um, and I'll leave it with, with this, that, you know, if you're going to spend that much time on the set with somebody, you have to like that person. <laughs> Uh, you can't fake that for four full days uh, because it, it'll eventually come across the screen. And so I'm just very grateful that a guy like Runes, 
who, like myself, does not take himself too seriously because if he did, it would be a miserable weekend. Uh, but he makes it fun. We have fun, and I'm glad that that, that comes across on the screen and that uh, I can give him jazz. He can do the same, and, and uh, we leave still friends on, on Monday or Tuesday whenever we're done. Yeah, I would second that. If you're trying to do four days of bases loaded with a partner that doesn't have a great sense of humor, I would say borderline elite sense of humor. That is going to be a long weekend. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate it, guys. And we'll uh, we'll look for bases loaded 2021 uh, yes. coming to an ESPN linear network near you. <laughs> Let's plan on it. Thanks, guys. That was great. Thank you again to ESPN's Matt Schick for joining us today on the Baseball America College podcast. Staying with us is ESPN's Mike Rooney. Uh, Runes, you just, uh, you're not just here for the bases loaded talk. You're, you're here for the baseball talk and I don't know, whatever else might come up, I suppose. Yeah. You know what? It, now that we got rid of that dead weight, Matt Schick, let's go. <laughs> I mean, now we can, now. that was awesome. So the, Matt, I'm telling you, we, we borrow Matt Schick for college baseball. But we are so fortunate to do that. He is so fun on the bases loaded. Um, so that was a blast. That was absolutely a blast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the, the bases loaded, I remember when it started and it was like kind of cool and you didn't know what it was going to be, but to see where it's gone from that uh, to, to where you are now. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be great if you guys, you know, went out and, and called a super together. Uh, you know, that, that would be cool. Uh, I, I think you guys would have a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, I, any way to, to expand, you know, that, that partnership and, and just get ESPN more, uh, you know, more, more tentacles in, into the, the college baseball pie. Like I'm, I'm for that. I'm for that. I second. Yeah. More Matt Schick on college baseball. You had me at that. <laughs> Joe, as a regular viewer of bases loaded more so than I am, or I have been because I, I it's hard when I, I oftentimes go to regional like areas and then I try and cover multiple regionals and I spend a lot of that weekend in the car, which means I don't watch it as much. But, you know, from what you have been able to see in terms of its evolution, what, what kind of stands out to you and the, the bases loaded, um, you know, growth? I think it felt very to to the point that that runes and, and matt made when we when we asked a little about the history of it i it felt very experimental at the beginning because it was in large part and i think it's become a little more of a well-oiled machine uh as the years have gone on and i think some of that has to do with you know somebody like runes being on it year after year after year and just bringing a level of knowledge that he does to the proceedings i think that helps a lot um but it, it really does feel like something that is now really a part of the college baseball calendar before it felt like there was a utility to it, there's always been a utility to it. Like there's 16 sites. That means every day you've got, you know, it's obviously plus or minus a few based on weather, but 32 games, uh, you know, at, at, at just over the course of the entirety of the day. And you're trying to keep up with all that. Something There's something needed to be something that existed that kind of helped people keep it all sorted. And so the show kind of was born out of that, I think. It also, let's not forget, was born out of, I think a brilliant decision on ESPN's part to really go feet first into college baseball. And there was a time, and we've talked about this in the show before, where getting regionals on TV and certainly streaming was so few and far between. And ESPN made a decision to really jump in on broadcasting the postseason. And so when that became the case, it only made sense to have some sort of show that could kind of quarterback the coverage. And so I think it went from being something that there was utility to, to now really being almost like, you know, the red zone channel for NFL, for NFL football, where there are some people who are just really dedicated to that program. I kind of count myself as someone on the bases loaded side, having, you know, watched it for several years now where the, I'll go entire days where yes, I'll have a second and third screen focused on a particular game, but on my main screen is on bases loaded now. And it's not just because I love runes, but that's true too. <laughs> but, it's, it, but it's because that is the easiest way to really stay on top of all 16 sites. There's just no two ways about it. Runes, Joe mentioned the red zone and I, I, thought of this before we didn't get to it with uh with you and matt do you watch red zone when you're watching the nfl like is that is that a place where you can study or you know i i is that how you're keeping up with your fantasy football team in the fall 
That's a great question. I've not, I've not watched a ton of red zone. I am a passionate slash obsessive fantasy football player. And so the red zone would seem to make sense. But honestly, I catch myself on Sunday sometimes having to walk away from the TV so as not to obsess um, too much. But, um, you know, like even when you're watching the normal games, you have the bottom line and you can see a lot of stuff there. But that's a good point, you know, as far as like um, trying to pick up pointers, that type of thing. Although I would say, and you guys just alluded to it, part of the fun of Melt Bases Loaded is that several years ago, I don't know who made this decision or if it just happened, but we just like quit trying to do it perfectly and just kind of let it be the mess that it's intended to be. And I think that has made it infinitely more fun. And, um, and again, like that's why Matt is the perfect toast for it because nobody does mess management better than Matt Schick. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard, you know, you have 32 games going as, as we've mentioned a few times here, like the NFL never has, and you don't have 32 going at once, but, there are times where there are 16-ish going and the NFL doesn't have that many. Like, I, I think it is harder to, to keep on top of all of that than it probably is uh, in, the, in just a standard NFL Sunday when, you know, at most you probably have six or maybe eight games going on. So it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a unique thing. I don't fully understand why some other sports haven't, you know, taken this for, for their version of the NCAA tournament, but, it is. Uh, it's a fun thing that that you guys have uh, have put together there, and you know certainly uh, it so, something that will, will be missed by by many people around the game this weekend as uh, as as we realize that, that we're supposed to be playing regionals right now. Yeah, myself included. It's always you know it, it's. I mean, you you can imagine like you, you know you're gassed by the end of the weekend. And I don't mean like gas, like, Hey, when, you know, you're, you're working construction or landscaping or roofing, like that's a whole different deal, obviously. But, you know, I mean, you're sitting in that chair for 10, 12 hours. Um, and you know, your mind is just racing all day long. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's the other thing I think we have to be honest with ourselves is it's not 100% compelling, right? Like I think about Saturday mornings, Bases loaded when you've got the losers bracket game, the two teams that have lost. And if you don't really have a compelling team or story in that game, you know, and anyone that's played or coached or watched those games, those games can be real slogs sometimes. You know, both teams, the kind of the um, the euphoria of making a regional is now completely gone and replaced by the realization that your season may be nine innings or less from being over. Um, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Usually it's the third and the fourth seed. And that means there are no more than 17 people in the stands. And so, um, yeah, that, 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 that Saturday morning game, man, that, that'll get your attention. That's for sure. Yeah. It's uh, those, those games. Those are, those are the, the real tough ones in the, in the calendar, I would say. And, but you guys are there, shepherded it through, and and uh, and we appreciate you for it. And we'll uh, we'll be excited when it's back in in uh, 2021. But Amen. you're 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 still on the podcast here uh, in part because we wanted to talk about some additional baseball things with with you, one of college baseball's foremost thinkers, I guess is uh, what we could say. I mean, you, you have a degree from Notre Dame, like. <laughs> Joe went to Sam Houston. I went to Ball State. Like Notre Dame's supposed to be like this other tier. Um, so let's get to that. The we, we spent our our first podcast this week talking with Eric Backage about the new model uh, for college baseball, the, the proposal that uh, debuted uh, a week ago now and has garnered a whole lot of traction uh, that would effectively move the season back by a month among some other things, but, but from a fan's perspective, that would be the most notable change. And Rince, you've had some time to digest this, to talk with people. Uh, what, what did you think when, when you read through it and, and where are you at on, on the idea of the new model? Yeah, I would say, Teddy, that, um, I mean, Tim Corbin's quote was a really good one where he just said, I, I read somewhere where he said, you know, I, I think Corbs is, is um, in his late 50s and or maybe 60 years of age right now. And he just basically said, hey, you get to this stage of life and you don't like change very much. And 
I'm, I'm not that age, but I also, I am in that mindset where I don't love change. And so, you know, you see it and, and I, I kind of flinched, you know, I, I'd seen the old proposals in the past and I, you know, I've been up for moving it back a week or two weeks, but some of the past proposals felt a little extreme to me because I just felt like we were, you know, you, you get a chance to hurt great fan bases in the South banking on a, you know, a hope and no guarantee that fan bases in the North will come on board. But, you know, to be honest, as I've read this, Teddy, it, it is compelling. And, and I like that Eric Backich, if we're going to call him the, the chief author, I mean, he really attacked the traditional objections to this head on, you know, from the Southern perspective. Um, you know, I, I, I would say it this way, just to summarize it, I think, I think we need something in college baseball. We, we, we need something to give us a boost of momentum. I think this is it. Uh, and I think the po- there's no perfect plan. There never will be. But I think the positives significantly outweigh the negatives here. I, somebody asked me the other day, which, by the way, just a quick interjection. I think you can tell this proposal has legs when proposals or pseudo-proposals or musings, shall we say, in the past, haven't really gotten momentum. I think you can tell that because I've had a lot of people who aren't in college baseball ask me about it. People who cover mm-hmm. other sports or kind of pay attention to college baseball have, have really asked me like, so what is this thing? And like the follow-up question they always have though, and I'm curious if, if you could just play devil's advocate quickly on it, Runes, is somebody asked me the other day, who would be against this? And Backitch gave us like a little bit of a, a nugget into it. It's like, well, southern mid and low major schools who aren't really ever going to draw attendance and it's 100 degrees in may so you'd rather just go ahead and play in february so okay fair enough but we're talking about a sliver there so other than that maybe can you play devil's advocate for anyone else being against this proposal in any fundamental way yeah i would say um you know like like one i I would call this a minor um, I would call this a minor objection, but, um, but not insignificant. But the fall, you, 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 when you look at this, you have to look at fall baseball a little bit differently than we've done in the past. And if you're a real traditionalist, you know, so, you know, if you're one of those coaches that grew up in the era of college baseball where, you know, and especially if you have a junior college background where you play a ton of baseball in the fall, this is a really different model. I mean, this shifts a lot of that you're still going to have fall baseball, but it'll be, you know, it'll be a much shorter stint. So I think that's, if you're really committed to fall baseball, um, I think that's an objection. Although, you know, I think most of the studies around arm care nowadays would say that a shorter fall ball is really important to the health and development of, of arms. Um, and I would say, you know, what you just mentioned is, you know, like I worry about the West coast here, right? Like this, I'm going to get a little editorial, but the state of California is fairly messy from a financial standpoint. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they're not probably going to increase attendance, but they are going to increase costs. But I, I would say that, the, you know, if I'm kind of going back to the pro side, I don't think the costs you're incurring by keeping the kids for an extra four weeks are insurmountable. They're significant for sure. But I would say this, where this proposal might hurt the, I'm just picking on California. It might hurt some of those schools from that perspective. I do think it's significant. It's got a chance to significantly raise the profile of college baseball. And if that happens, then the California schools win because athletic directors become more excited about baseball. And California will always be good in college baseball because there's so many good players there. So I think it's possibly more of a long-term play there. But in the short term, you could be looking at a situation where, um, hey, you're not going to gain that much more revenue. You are going to have more cost. And then, of course, you know, there's going to be some paranoia around RPI, which has always been problematic in the West. And, you know, how do we work ourselves through that? Rince, you played at Notre Dame. You grew up in Philly. Um, so obviously you're attuned with the northern baseball fan and, and player do you think that, you know, there are, it's one thing to say, you know, Michigan and Ohio state will draw better. Um, you know, those, those universities support their athletic programs at a high level and, 
Uh, you know, just look at how many Michigan fans showed up in Omaha last year for, you know, a, a program that they're not used to, you know, going to Omaha to see anymore. What What do you think, though, about, you know, the, the northern support that would follow? Is, is that a real phenomenon, do you think? Like, are people, are Notre Dame fans going to pour into South Bend uh, to watch baseball in, in May and June if they're playing meaningful ACC series? Yeah, I would say, Teddy, I think it's a great point because I, 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 this is my belief here, that I think warm weather is critical to increasing attendance, but I think that warm weather by itself is not going to do it. You know, I, I think if, if we think that we're grossly underestimating how good minor league baseball operators have gotten at putting on an entertainment product, and that's been a frustration for me with college baseball is that you know, and many times you're having to rely on your, you know, the athletic department's marketing department, and that group is typically understaffed, and they are just completely exhausted from football and basketball season. Now, I do like that we're kind of getting ourselves away from the basketball season here, but I, I think, I, I would say it this way, Teddy, I think the warm weather gives us a chance, but the athletic departments, I think, and they think they, they really have progressed over the last decade in this area. But we're going to have to really get our arms around, hey, this, is, this becomes an entertainment product. Why families are not just coming out here on a Tuesday night or a Saturday night because they like our school. You know, there's got to be more to it than that. And so um, I, I'm with you. Like, I think warm weather is a start. And, and it's, you know, as Jim Schlossnagel has said, it's, you know, you could have the best marketing department in the world. If it's 30 degrees, they ain't coming. But I, I think – to a degree, warm weather by itself is not enough. Yeah, that's, uh, it's an unknowable. I, I don't, I'm not suggesting that the plane get derailed over that or anything. It, it's just something to think about. And, you know, another thing to think about, if, you're, if we're looking for groups that would be potentially against this, uh, another one is the Ivy League and potentially also the Patriot League. Um, I don't know that the Ivy League is going to be a real problem. The Patriot League might be as well. Again, I don't know that you derail it over Harvard and um, you know Yale and and Lehigh not being able to go along with it, but it is something that that would if you're if you're looking for groups that that might be against this, you know that there are I, I would say probably that it's just a bunch of niches around that have to be worked through. There's no clear cut like well mid majors don't like it for this or low majors don't like it for this. It's these little groups scattered throughout the country and every one of those is going to have to be worked through um, and it's just going to be a matter of how fast they can do that or you know as as Bakich is saying this is one size fits most not one right. size fits all and as long as they stick to that one size fits most messaging you know I guess you're talking about just potentially saying take it or leave it this is where we're going if, if this were to pass so I don't know interesting times are, are ahead certainly uh, in terms of this model and, and whether they're able to garner support from, you know, the decision makers in college athletics. Yeah. And I would say, Teddy, it's, you know, one size fits most is really the only option we have right now in my mind, because, you know, it, it, this is going to sound dramatic. I, I just don't know a better way to say it, but, you know, it does feel like the entire sport is in a bad place right now. So, you know, we, we are a big drain and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky time. And, and so if we can at least get most of our sport in a better place, then I, I think, you know, it's hard not to take that option. Um, and, and so I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think, I just, I just don't think there's a one size fits all option. I, that feels unrealistic. And, and so you're just going to have to pick the best possible option. Yeah, and I would say this is probably a case where you can't let the perfect stand in the way of the good. Yep. Um, that's always tricky for a lot of people, myself included at times, but this does seem like one of those times. Whereas this week also I wrote about um, in my Coaching Confidential series, the 32 host model for the NCAA tournament, something that's been kicked around uh, for several years now doesn't have an official proposal anywhere, but is, is that college baseball coaches like to talk about the idea of taking uh, 
you know, the NCAA tournament and take, you know, moving from 16, 14 regionals to 32 best of three series for the first round of the tournament. Um, you are a big fan of this. I found in my survey of head coaches that 58% of, of the 90 coaches surveyed uh, liked that idea, uh, which is a, an overwhelming majority, but it is a, a significant majority, I, I think, considering you're talking about blowing up the model for the, the NCAA tournament that has existed for 45 years now. So what about the, the 32 host model do, do you like? What, what attracts you to, to that one? Yeah, I just think it's there's there's so many different parts to it. It's the um, you know the I I just think it's we are a three game series sport. I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I, we're just not a losers bracket sport. Um, I, I think the other I, I think our, our, honestly, tell you the most important part to me is I just am very concerned, and and the new model I think addresses this, but I'm really concerned that a lot of athletic directors have started to just not see college baseball in a great light, you know, and, and just, I look at some of the advancements in college baseball, you know, when you're talking about stadiums and those types of things. And, and, and I worry that they're not even about schools feeling like, Oh yeah, you know what? We're really sinking our teeth into college baseball. Like maybe coastal Carolina did a few years ago. I see it more as, Hey, our stadium's way behind. Do we have a donor that can help us here? Like, let's, let's do this stadium deal to catch up type of thing. So, you know, I, 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 love, I, I love the idea of more athletic directors getting to see our very best product, which is the postseason, our very best product in their backyard with their donors in the building, um, with their, you know, the town that they're located in, really getting to embrace that. You know, I, I, I love the idea of I think it's better for the pitching I, I love that we could promote actual pitching matchups. So, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if Elon makes the tournament with the great arms that they had and then they're playing Georgia, you know, we can promote Kirby versus Hancock. I love the, um, the aspect of more game threes, you know, where we know um, it, it's winter advances. I think, you know, I think there'd be more upsets, which would be really fun. And maybe, you know, I've I, I shared with a lot of people, I, I think about Pepperdine, which is a really good – college baseball program in the early 2000s they went 2-0 in regionals three different times and not only did they not win those regionals they got hammered on the backside of those regionals when pitching depth started to catch up to them so you know we're not building a tournament for upsets but I think it would be more fun I think there's more intrigue there um, but I you know I, I think the most important thing to me, Teddy, is really, you know, first of all, by the way, there'll be more, there's more money, there's more games, so more ticket, more concessions. It's a bigger TV package for the NCAA to sell. But I think at the, at the end of the day, um, na more nationalizing our game at the best time of year, I think that's probably the piece that's the most important to me. Yeah, I think when I first started thinking about this proposal, I don't know if I first heard it from you, Runes, or heard it somewhere else, but just when I started thinking about it, my first inclination because maybe I'm not so different than than you or Tim Corbin is like oh well I don't really care for that because I like regionals the way they are but once I kind of got past that and started thinking about it I think what I like most about it and you alluded to this a little bit and that's that you know let's say you're a you're a mid or low major that really has one or two dudes on the mound like it suddenly becomes a lot easier for you to get through and not a lot easier but it, it becomes more likely you get through that first round because you win on Friday night and then all of a sudden, anything can happen over the next two days. Uh, whereas to your point about Pepperdine before, in the current format, you, you, know, you win that first Friday game. And it's like, okay, great. Now you got to win two more, uh, potentially three more, depending on what happens. And that's a, just a tough sell for a lot of schools. So I actually like the idea that perhaps you could make the argument you get, this gives you fewer, this gives you fewer, um, Cinderella's into the round of 16, what we now know as super regionals. And maybe that's true, but what I think it does give you is more of the upsets in that first round. And I would much rather give those upsets a real chance to come into that second round and actually make some noise versus, you know, what we have now, which is like, okay, you win a couple games in a regional and you're in a regional final and that's still far from a guarantee about anything. That's, that's, I'm, I'm you know, rambling a little bit here, but I say all that to say I've kind of come around a little bit. I've been a convert on this plan just 
just based on that alone that I would really like, let's showcase the best that these mid and low major teams have to offer instead of everyone paying attention to their upset bids when they're at the back of the bullpen and they just really can't keep up. Yeah, I'm, uh, to your point, Joe, like I think about some of these schools, let's call them colder weather schools, where they, they've had a really good baseball season and their school is just kind of getting a whiff of it and starting to catch up. And then I feel like they go to a regional and people are starting to pay attention. They lose Friday night, they lose Saturday morning, and it's, it's like they turn into a pumpkin so fast, the school and the athletic department are looking at it like, hey, I thought we were good at baseball this year. Like, it's already over. And so to your point, like maybe more of those three seeds play another week or, you know, now Davidson from a couple of years ago, they play three weeks instead of two weeks. So um, yeah, I, 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 I'll tell you the more, the more I've looked into this, you know, it's really not a proposal yet, but this concept the, the only objection I can come up with is that it need, we need an extra week uh, of, of the season. And, and, you know, again, that's a real objection. Like weeks are not, they, they, that is a premium commodity in college baseball. But um, that's the only one I can think of that, that makes me feel like, okay, you know, that, that, that's a challenge. We'd have to figure that out. I would say the other big one, I mean, that's definitely the biggest. And while this is specifically not included in the new model, uh, if you're going to the new model, it probably would be pretty easy to find a week if you wanted it, considering you're changing the whole season anyway. Uh, but the, the other one is, are teams 17 through 32 equipped to host and ready to host and deserving to host? And at the high end of that, like certainly they are. But at the low end of that, you know, I, you start to have a little more questions. Now, requirements to host a regional would probably be relaxed. You only have one team there. It's a three-game series. It's not three teams showing up on your campus. Uh, but that is, that, like, I think of Tennessee Tech, which could not have hosted, like, did not submit a bid uh, in its, you know, 2018 dream season. Uh, there was no minor league park around Cookville, Tennessee for them to go to. So they just, they were, there was nothing to do. They just had to go out on the road. In this, they would be expected to host basically because they are, they were two seed. They very much deserved the chance to host if there were 32 hosts. But I, you know, I don't know if their ballpark would have been able to. And at that point, if you're forcing a team then to go on the road, that's a huge disadvantage in this system. Now, some yeah. people would, would turn that around and say, well, if you can't do it, then you don't deserve it. It's not worth it. Like, either you have it or you don't, and I'm not going to feel sorry for you for not. But I would say that that's, I don't know. If, if, the, if the goal here is to grow the game, I don't like that messaging. Yeah, I'm with you, Teddy. And it's like, if you think about it, you, you just said it. Hosting a three-game series is is so different than hosting a regional where you're going to play six or seven games um you know you 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 know you you absolutely have to have lights and i i think you know maybe that's part of the growing the game pieces where the schools start thinking about um man we we are really not far like you know being a host for a regional you could have a legit facility being a host for a three-game series and a first round of an NCAA tournament is probably a different equation that's much more gettable. But, I, you know, when you were speaking, the other thought that, had, that came to mind for me is, you know, and, and this is where I, I really stand with the most conviction is, man, being one of the 16 hosts every year is so difficult. I mean, unless yes. you're one of the teams in the major leagues, you know, those, those major conferences – you almost have to have a perfect season in many ways. And, and that just feels like I think about these schools investing in great baseball facilities. You know, think of up and down the Big Ten. I think about Purdue and, the, you know, those types of schools. And, you know, like, like Indiana hasn't hosted a regional since they're, they're running 13, 14, and may not for a while. It's like, it just doesn't feel right that you have schools that put together these great facilities and then we never bring the NCAA tournament to them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said for that. And, uh, you know, I, I could certainly get on board with this idea. I think that a lot of people who do support it, and I know you would echo this, Runes, is that, you know, what's most important right now is the new model. Uh, so yes. the, the people that are looking to grow the game are, are now more focused on that than on this. Uh, but this isn't going away anytime soon because uh, one of the things I like most about this is that people on both sides, both big schools and 
you know, smaller schools trying to be underdogs. Uh, they both think that this is a better format for them to advance. Uh, you, you could find people on, on, on both sides that. of the, the debate there. about it. Yeah, and, and there's no way to answer it. Uh, I mean, maybe yeah. someone could run the model, but until they go to it, it's, it's you know, it, there are going to be a lot of unknowns. They're just people hey, that... And, Teddy, two, sorry to interrupt you. Two weeks, two weekends of basis loaded. So selfishly, like full disclosure, let me put that out there. Like, come on, who doesn't like no, two I'm, weekends and bases loaded? Let's go. No, I'm fully on board. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> just yes. pulled me in. Thank you. There you go. And also, Runes just took us full circle, which is a very professional, you know, Look at TV that. personality type thing to do. So I, I, I mean, we yeah. we fully appreciate all of that. Oh, I'm here for you. Well, Runes, it's been a lot of fun, you know, breaking down all of this, bases loaded, new model, 32 hosts, just uh, everything under the college baseball sun right now, I feel like. So we, uh, we appreciate you coming on the, uh, the Baseball America College podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And by, I, I need to say this, two podcasts per week by you two, yes and yes. Thank you very much for that. That has been very much appreciated during this time. So keep up the great work, gentlemen. Well, we really Thank appreciate you. that. Um, you know, all, all props to Joe for keeping us at two podcasts a week, I would say. Not that I'm against it, but Joe is Joe's definitely driving the bus on, on the second podcast a lot of the weeks, I feel oh, like. Shucks, you guys are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Runes, it, it's been great, and we're, uh, we're, we're very thankful that we had this opportunity, even if we don't get bases loaded this weekend. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Thank you again to Mike Rooney for joining us here on the Baseball America College podcast. That's two times Mike Rooney has been on this podcast uh, this year already. Uh, truly a strange year if we're, uh, if we're able to get runes on the podcast that often. I mean, we'd have him on more often, but you know, the, he, is, he is a busy man, is he not, Joe? Indeed he is. Yeah, he, um, he's seemingly everywhere at once, uh, but it just a fabulous guest to have because he, he brings such a passion to the proceedings and that is not that is not put on by the way folks like he getting one of the great joys of, of being able to cover college baseball like I do is is really getting to know him and I'm not just blowing smoke but he just brings such a joy to covering college baseball that I really identify with um, because I, I feel like he and I have a similar sensibility in that way so it, it's kind of cool getting to know him and, and he is he is the same on the mic as he is away from the mic he's the same guy no matter what context you see him and now you run into him in Omaha he's a little bit worn down as we all are so I mean you know we, we all kind of start to have our, our our batteries run down towards the end of the year and last year he was dealing with a little bit of a, a vocal cord situation that had him kind of kind of on the sidelines a little bit but um but he's just he brings such an energy and, and a passion to it and he's of course he's, he's extremely knowledgeable I mean I think it's easy we we get to know Mike Rooney, the college baseball character, if you will, and it's easy to forget that, you know, he played at Notre Dame and coached, uh, you know, at Arizona State, Pat Murphy, and has coached a lot of really talented players and played with really talented players and has been around the sport for a long, long time, and he's actually quite accomplished in that field. So it's easy to maybe lose sight of that given, you know, just the, the character that he plays in the college baseball world. But he, he brings a lot of knowledge, and when you combine that with his passion, it's hard to do better among podcast guests, for sure. Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate having him on. And, um, you know, he, he's also a guy that just is constantly thinking about the game. And, you know, we really like to pick his brain. You know, he's he's been out there with the 32 host situation for a while now. He liked it so much that – um, you know, he put together a mock selection show this year since there was no selection show and he did it with 32 hosts. Um, you know, that, that's how committed to that idea he is. And, you know, so getting, getting his thoughts on things like that and, and the new model are, uh, you know, it's, it's always enlightening to, to hear the way that he's thinking about the game and um, the ways that, you know, college baseball as a sport and as a, you know, business uh, are, are operating. So especially with all of the, the proposals uh, and, and the financial concerns that are flying around these days, um, you know, very, very good to get his insights uh, on some of these, these topics. So we'll be back here on the Baseball America College podcast next week. We are going twice a week, as, uh, as Runes noted there. 
Uh, first podcast is typically a newsier one. Second podcast is typically us rewatching uh, a classic game and coming on the podcast to discuss it with uh, someone who participated. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll get back on that schedule next week. Uh, so make sure you are subscribed to the Baseball America podcast. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, really anywhere uh, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're findable, I feel like. So if you can, please subscribe, please rate, please review. Uh, we appreciate all of that. Over at BaseballAmerica.com, there is plenty of content continuing. Coaching Confidential this week was about the 32 hosts. Uh, you can go read about the the pros and cons of that system in depth. I, I really dove into this one, I feel like. Um, Joe's Stockwatch series, we're going conference. Joe, not, not me so much. Joe is going conference by conference, looking at the last five years and, and where, where, which way programs are, are trending. Uh, so that, that continues with a, a couple more this week. We'll have a couple more next week. So be on the lookout for those. And you can also see there's a lot of draft content uh, coming up as, as the draft is less than two weeks away now, including this week uh, features from, from Joe and I about Spencer Torkelson and Aza Lacey. So if you're trying to familiarize yourself uh, with the best players in, in the draft class, uh, look no further than, than baseballamerica.com, I would say. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be back here next week and we'll have more to, to talk w- about then. So we will look forward to, to seeing or to speaking with you again uh, on the podcast next week. I want to thank Matt Schick and Mike Rooney again for joining us. Thank you to Joe Healy as always, for for being my, my co-host here. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.